How's everybody doing this morning? Good. Can we just talk about how much of a blessing it is to have a problem with not having enough chairs in the party? <laughs> Father, thank you so much for the awesome opportunity to come to your house and worship together as your body, Lord. Lord, I ask that you be with this service. Lord, be with Brother Matt as he brings the message, Lord. Just reveal to us what you have in store for us today, Father. We love you so much. Thank you for loving us first. It's here and we pray. Amen. So I've got a couple announcements for us this morning. First, I'm going to tell you my name is Ryan Willis. I'm Woo! the head pastor here. Uh, Eastside Baptist Church. I don't know where he went, but... There he is, just in case he wasn't aware of who I was again. Um, but yeah, just a couple of announcements. Uh, we have our fall festival coming up Wednesday night. It will start at 6.30? 6.30. And we still need trunks for the trunk retreat that's going to happen that night. We need at least five or six more trunks. So please sign up today. Partner up with people. Partner up with another family. And decorate a car. Decorate a trunk. We're going to have cool prizes for it. And most of all, you're going to need a lot of some children who get to see a lot of Jesus. So please take advantage of that. Also, just to throw it out there, we've got the Jingle for Jesus 5K coming up to sponsor Lottie Moon's Christmas offering. If you have questions about that, please see Brooker Joey Smith. Okay? Um, if you are a guest with us, thank you so much for being here this morning. We're very glad that you're here. If you haven't talked to an usher or me or Brother Matt, please speak to us. We want to get to meet you. We have a little gift we'd like to give you over here at the back table. Uh, so thank you so much for being here again. Uh, we have a special guest this morning, so I think I'm going to turn it over to them and let uh, let that go for a second. Have you ever heard the name Lottie Moon? Every Christmas, Southern Baptist churches across the United States take up a special offering. All the money goes to many different needs that missionaries have in foreign countries. But did you know that Lottie Moon was a real person? Well, here is her story. Good morning, everyone. And my name is Lottie Moon. I hope y'all have been uh, learning a little bit about me, but here's some more information that maybe some things you didn't know. Actually, my parents named me Charlotte Diggs Moon. That everyone called me Lottie. That was my nickname. I was born on December the 12th, 1840, in a small town in Virginia. I have six brothers and sisters, and my parents were wealthy for that time, and so I had a very nice life. My mother was a good Christian, and she held some uh, church services in our home. But you know what? I just wasn't interested in church at this point. But I did want to be a teacher. I did know that. So when I got older, I went to an all-female school in Virginia. It's called the Virginia Female Seminary. After that, I went to Albemarle Female Institute in Charlottesville. I used to play tricks on people, though. One April Fool's Day, I wrapped the school bells up so they wouldn't ring, and so everyone was late for class. I got in trouble for that one. One day, when I was 18 years old, some of my friends wanted to go um, to church. They invited me to go to church with them and to hear about missions. wasn't really interested in hearing about the missions. didn't sound that interested in me, but I wanted to hang out with my friends, so I went. <laughs> that night, I heard a wonderful sermon. The preacher told about God and Jesus. He talked about missions, too. It was very interesting. I decided right then I wanted to become a Christian and follow Jesus 
wherever he would lead me. After I became a Christian, I finished college and started to teach. First, I taught children at a school in Danville, Kentucky. Then, y'all might know this place, I taught in Cartersville, Georgia. So y'all might know where that's at. But I kept thinking about missions. Even though I was teaching, I still wasn't totally sure that that's what I needed to be doing. I wanted to know more about the other side of the world. Who was telling the people there about God and Jesus? Should I be a missionary? I wonder. So finally, in February of 1873, I was 32 years old. So I made up my mind, I would become a missionary. Six months later, I was appointed to China. China, I was so excited, that's where my sister, Edmonia, was a missionary. In September, I boarded a ship for China. Because at this time, you know, I couldn't jump on an airplane and go. We had to go across the sea. I did not know at all what it would be like. But I knew I wanted the Chinese people to learn about God and Jesus. Living every day in China was very strange. And making friends was very hard for me because I was a stranger in a foreigner. The Chinese people seemed to be a little afraid of me. They didn't trust a foreigner. I was an outsider. I also didn't know their customs. One thing I did notice was that the women and the girls, they would take their feet and they would wrap them up and bind them so that they wouldn't grow large. And that just seemed really, really painful to me. And they, and they walked really, really slow. So that, that's a custom that, that I couldn't do. Because that, that was just, that, that's what they did. But then one day I had an idea. Because everybody likes cookies. Everybody likes a good cookie. So I decided to start baking cookies for the children. So... I did. They smelled good, but at first the children wouldn't eat them. They were still scared of me, and they were afraid that, that my cookies would make them sick. But I just kept on making those cookies anyway, and soon the children came to my house and began to eat. They started to call me the cookie lady. And as they ate the cookies, I told them about Jesus. I began to tell more people about God, but the job was huge. There so many people. And that, that needed to hear that. I wrote letters back to the states. I asked for help. I asked them to pray for the Chinese people. I asked them, please send money and to please send more missionaries. At first, I lived in the city of Tingchow. Then I decided that people in the rural areas might be a little friendlier and they might be more accepting to me. So at this point, I began visiting some nearby villages that were on the outskirts of the town. I soon realized that the Chinese girls, they also needed to go to school. So I started some schools just for the girls. I lived the rest of my life in China. I was happy there. I knew that God wanted me in China to help the men and the women and the girls and the boys know about Jesus. In 1912, a terrible famine came to China. People everywhere were starving. Little children had nothing to eat. So Lottie gave her food to the people. But soon she got sick. And the doctor said that she should go back to the United States to get well. So Lottie's friends put her on a ship for the States. She never made it. She died on Christmas Eve, 1912, while still on the ship. Lottie Moon gave her life so that people in China could learn about God. Please be in prayer 
uh, as we head towards the Christmas time, as we take up this offering from missions, uh, is what God would have you to give. Uh, because as we really got to talk time and time again, um, it's not cheap uh, for missionaries uh, to be out on the field. Um, and that's one way uh, we're called to be missionaries here in our hometown. But that's one way um, that we can give and we can uh, do foreign missions is to give to a lot of new Christmas offering. So, challenging. Be in prayer about that. And um, give our, our goal um, is five figures. Um, no set goal, just make it five figures. And I think um, if we really are prayerful about that, see, see God's face about that, uh, we can definitely reach that goal and make an impact uh, for God's kingdom. So, uh, that being said, let's worship. Stand and worship with us.
we, uh, as sinners, have the privilege to come in the presence of the Holy God in the worship room. Uh, and that only happens uh, because of the blood of Jesus and the grace and the mercy uh, that comes along with that. Uh, we've, uh, this next song, we introduced it a couple of weeks ago. Um, and so my, my uh, challenge to you is that it may be due to you and everything like that, but um, don't let it, that hinder you from worshiping uh, because the words are true. Um, God's grace is everywhere. Uh, when we wake up in the morning, we experience God's grace. As we stand here and worship together, now we experience uh, His grace. And uh, there's uh, one part that I know you'll be able to sing, and it just goes, oh. So, all those spells, when the O's come, like, you got it. You know, and, and that's something we can worship, just singing O's, you know? Let's just worship together uh, because of the grace of the word given.
because think about these songs. Uh, this week when I first thought of them, I was like, how in the world did they go together? Um, but it's because of we do serve a holy God.
lives will be drawn into a closer relationship with you through the preaching of your word and worshiping you. We thank you uh, for loving us, even when we can be so unloved. We just worship you in this precious holy name, I pray. Amen.
I sincerely appreciate <coughs> them picking out those two choir songs because they know that's two of my favorites. But beyond that, I appreciate them singing songs that honor our Savior. What a powerful word this morning. Aren't you glad that nothing we have to do today will fix our problem, but that we can fully rely on Jesus. Only Jesus. Matt, thank you for your faithfulness and attentiveness to the Spirit of God in leading and preparing those songs of praise and worship to Michelle who worked so diligently with the choir. And it excites me to no end, not only to see that we don't have enough chairs, but it's because so many youth and join the choir right there in the middle. That thrills the pastor's heart to see that this morning. I want you to turn with me to Colossians chapter 4. And I'm going to use the New King James today because of some express words that I believe it uses to give the depth of this context. In chapter 4, verse 2 through 6, as we have been traveling through... This letter to the church at Colossae, Paul really begins to uh, finalize his words of doctrine and warning to the church at Colossae who had been facing heresy, facing uh, a mingling of religion and spirituality, trying to bring in Judaism, trying to bring in Gnosticism, trying to intermingle the things that are the world with that which is Christ. And that will never work. It will never work. When we start applying our own ideas, our own idioms, our own ways of thinking because that's what mom and daddy said or because that's what our government said or that's because that's just the country we were raised in. I'm telling you, church, when it's not about Jesus, only Jesus, we're headed for complete and utter disaster. Think about this. They heeded the warning for a while. But you can Google it when you leave here today. Don't do it. Don't do like the communicator. Read it here while I'm preaching. But go home and Google current church of Colossae and see what you find. It's not. There's not a church in Ephesus. Not a church at Thyatira or Smyrna or Laodicea. Those churches vanished off the face of the earth. And much of what we know as the first three chapters of Revelation is, is now <laughs> under the control of Islam. Through Asia Minor, Turkey, and those areas. Today I want to preach on this subject. 24-7. 24-7. never know what a day may hold to do. Things change literally in a heartbeat. And Paul truly understood the essence of time. For you see, he walked on the very thin edge of eternity, always under the penalty of death. I mean, think about how many times he was beaten and he was shipwrecked and I mean, he was stoned and left for dead 
He literally understood the essence of time. Today we sit here on the very precipice of eternity. And like the old song of the 70s, let it not be said above, wasted days and wasted nights. For too often we go through our routine and we look for things to fill our calendar. We say, oh no, I don't. It just fills itself. No. I, there's one thing I've learned. The older you get, the more I grab. You do what you want to do. If you want to be in the house of God, you'll be in the house of God unless you're providentially hindered. And the only time we should be apart is when God calls us apart. He calls us apart to rest. That's vacation. Sometimes we have to rest on our back in a hospital. There are times God gets our attention in many different ways. The church, if we are capable, we ought to want to come and see Jesus. Only Jesus. Colossians 4, verse 2. Continue earnestly in prayer. In the King James, it just says continue in prayer. But the Greek context of this, when it is translated, gives a deeper meaning in that Greek word, it literally means to continue earnestly in prayer, to be vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the Word. To speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in chains, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Paul instructed the Colossian Christians to make full use of the time the Lord had given them. There's nothing worse than to live and die with regret. Christians should use every moment in their service unto the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I want us today to employ every moment of our lives in service to Him, not to the pastor. I know it's Pastor Appreciation Day, and I know all that, and I am so grateful. But listen, all I can think about today as we sung those songs was the cross at Calvary. I literally, all I can see is my Savior hanging there, bleeding and dying for me. I have no right or authority to do anything today except in the name of Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. That's it. I'm useless. I'm worthless and helpless apart from Him and Him alone. Today I want you to see three simple things. Three very straightforward, simple things that we ought to be about 24-7. First of all, I want us to see that we ought to pray constantly. Pray constantly. Second of all, I want us to see we ought to walk wisely. Now some of us think we're wise. 
We may be smart, but we're not wise. I've seen some very smart people that was dumb as a stone. When it comes to wisdom, we ought to pray constantly. We ought to walk wisely. Get this, church. If there's anybody this should be addressed to, it's the body of Christ. We ought to talk gracefully. These are just three simple things the Apostle Paul teaches us in this context today. And so I want us to begin by looking at how we should pray constantly. He said, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Three ways we pray constantly in how to pray. How, how do we pray? The, the disciples. Now these are guys that walk with Jesus. They talk with Jesus. They ate with Jesus. They went roboing with Jesus. They did everything with Jesus. They walked up to him one day and they said, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to pray. There's a lot of things that we want to know how to do. I love a smartphone. I do. I mean, you can Google anything. Anything. I told my wife this morning when she was getting ready to come and play Lottie Moon, I thought she did a pretty good job. Now, I'm kind of preferential, but she ended out of the park on that. Except for one part. And it would have been really hard to do. But in the casting of this part this morning, there's one glaring difference. When Lottie Moon died, number one, at the age of 72. She was barely over four foot. And she weighed less than 70 pounds. You see, she had literally worn her life out for Jesus Christ. When she got the call, she got good. She got it deep. 24-7 she went about serving her Savior. Listen, she had to learn how to pray. And she began to pray over those Chinese. Do you know she spoke over five languages? She would pray. Can you imagine speaking all these languages, whether it was Portuguese or French or Mandarin? She would pray in their language so that they would hear her call out their name. That's 24-7, church. To pray in the power of God. To pray earnestly. What does that even mean? In the Greek context, it literally gives the idea in this prayer war is to persist in the siege. Not persist after the siege. Not to buckle under the pressures of this world and then once it's over, say, thank God that's over. But to be persistent in the midst of the battle. In the winter of 1944, there in the Ardennes Forest of Belgium, better known to historians as the Battle of the Bulge, Hitler's last major offensive. He had pressed upon 
the United States Army there in the frozen forest of the Ardennes to the point that in this little city known as Bastogne, there were thousands of Army soldiers, 101st Airborne soldiers, who had become encircled, trapped, if you were. And at one point, during this siege, the German general sent a runner in under a white flag unto General McCullough, who was in charge, who was the commander of the army of the Ardennes. And he came in and said, if you will lay down your weapons, if you will surrender now, I promise you safe conduct uh, throughout the rest of the war and we will accept nothing but an un unconditional surrender. General McCulloch sit there and he contemplated it. And he couldn't think about what to say or how to respond. And I believe it was either the runner or his personal assistant, a lieutenant there in the room. He said, read this and tell me what you make of it. And he read this letter from the German general. And as he read over that letter, he looked at it. He said, well, what do you think? He said, well, General, I'll tell you what I think. Nuts. He said, nuts? He said, that's nuts. We're not going to surrender. We're not going to back down, are we? That's nuts. And so General McCollum said, that sounds good to me. And he took the paper, turned it over, and he wrote, nuts. And he sent it back to the Germans. They looked at it and said, nuts? What? What does that mean? No spreading the English. Nuts. Later on, Patton came in Though no one in the 101st Airborne will admit to ever needing rescue, the 3rd Armored broke the battle of the Bulge. The 101st came out. They marched on. They released those that were in internment camps and marched into the day of VE Day, which Germany surrendered. You see, they continued even though under siege. It's nuts, church, for us to be more worried about how and what we see and how we look and what we do than to be concerned about getting on our face before God and pray. Still in church today, the least glamorous and most needed thing in our lives is to pray. To pray earnestly means through the war, in the midst of the battle, whatever's going on in our life, stop and pray. Pray without ceasing. Pray fervently and effectual. Pray that the God of all heaven will have His will done in our life. May we be earnest prayer. You don't know what you can do for your pastor. You don't appreciate your pastor. Pray for me. 
Pray for my wife. Pray for my daughter. Pray for my son. Pray for my family. Pray for me. You say, well, that's kind of selfish. It is. But it's because I need it more than any of them. Not that I mean that arrogantly, but because I am the chief of all sinners. Man, I want to get in the flesh, and I want to be egotistical, and I want to be arrogant. I want to know, and I want to have all the answers, and I want to do it in my own strength, and I want to have things like you do. And it's so easy to get my eyes off the prize. Church, pray for me. Pray earnestly through the battle. Look, don't throw your hands up because it looks like your family has no hope. Don't throw your hands up because it looks like that person who claims not to know Jesus, don't want to know anything about Jesus. You can't reach. Don't throw your hands up and say, five figures. Five figures? We're going to get five. How are we going to get five figures? I'm going to tell you something. I still believe all of God's Word. Don't say it if you don't mean it. Do not say it if you're not willing to open your checkbook, open your bank account, and back up the words of saying amen to that. Because the Bible says, with God, all things are possible. Live by faith, not by sight. Means we lay our children on the altar. Means we lay our job on the altar. Means we lay our our homes and we lay our relationships on the altar and say, is this what God would have for my life? This is what matters more than anything. Church, if you miss everything else today, get this. We need to pray. And we need to pray harder than we've ever prayed before. We need to pray for our church. We need to pray for our community. We need to pray for our country. And we need to pray for our world that God would rock it for Jesus Christ. Pray earnestly, but he said pray vigilantly. Means to be alert. Means to be watchful in a serious pursuit. Alert. Watch. I'll tell you the story about my grandmother staying up until I get home. She prayed vigilantly. Come on, moms and dads, when they turn 16. Your prayer life increases, doesn't it? I'm not joking. I'm not joking. You pray them there and you pray them home. You look at them and you tell them, yeah, they can go, but in your heart it's screaming, no. 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 You just have to give it to God. Because you're not God. I know some of you have a God complex. Nobody can raise children like you can. You've got it all figured out. Dr. Spock can learn something from you. And I'm not talking about the point he's going to start to. The famous childhood psychology psychiatrist, blah, blah, blah. I'm here to tell you there's only one perfect parent. And he is Father God. He's the only one that knows the best. But sometimes what I think is the best, my wife will make it very vividly clear pretty quick. And she's right. I'm not right. And I, it was just in my perspective to look right from where I was standing. But it wasn't. What do you do? What do you do? I need your help on this now. You've got two children and they're fighting about something or they're caught in
them something and one of them says one thing and the other one says exactly the opposite, how do you decide which one's lying and which one's not? Yeah, pray about it. But ultimately on your own, you can't know, can you? There's just no way. I mean, unless, you know, you can do some kind of DNA testing or something, you just don't know. You have to trust it with God. And, you know, my daddy just raised us with three of us. He just wears us all out and figure any, meeny, miny, moe, he can get us all. Because the, whoever was guilty got it. And the ones who wasn't guilty had done something he didn't know about. So they just needed it anyway. We've got to be vigilant, church. Pray. Morning, noon, and night, 1 Thessalonians 5. Pray without ceasing. We <coughs> should carry a heart of prayer right down the road. I mean, listen. Pray. When, even when you don't expect it. Pray. Trust God. Pray watchfully. Be alert for, if you're going to pray that God would use you, then you've got to be alert in that prayer for when God's ready to use you. Don't let it slip by. Pray, thankfully. What are you thankful about today? Go. <laughs> Go! Are you not? Come on, church. You're not thankful for anything. I'm not joking. Live home. <laughs> is it, I mean, is that all? I mean, Jesus. That's all. That's all. Microphone, cushion chair, American, Milky Way, gas, under two dollar gas, full peanuts. <laughs> Electricity, running water, toilet paper. Well, hair dye. Do you see? I mean, we're laughing, but church, there's so much we have to do. There's people in this room. Knows what it's like not to have running water. They know what it's like not to even have indoor plumbing at all. They grew up where you feed the chickens through the cracks in the floor. Does that be unplumbing the crawl And linoleum wasn't vinyl, it was just this old sheet stuff that you threw down to try to keep the wind. And people my age and under, especially you 30 somethings, that have six cars, a retirement home at 32, and three motorcycles, two four-wheelers, and a, a ski boat. You need to get a clue. Understand, all toys are fine as long as they don't become idols that take our attention off of God. And we need to understand, listen, what we do have, if we got it and God let us have it, we ought to be because if you're not number one thankful for it, number two, honor God in it, God will take it away.
I'm fixing to say something that's going to be very, very popular. But it's the truth. Your children can be that out. And I hate to admit, but I have watched a situation that it looked like God took the children out of the way because the parents worshiped. house, jobs, whatever. He said, I'll have no other jobs before me. Church, we need to be thankful. Timmy, I, I do appreciate that, and I believe you mean it. I, I love you. I love all of you. Mike, I love you. <laughs> Look, if y'all don't believe miracles can happen, if y'all don't believe miracles can happen, besides the fact that Georgia Tech did what they did last night. He's the one that first one that called me and congratulated me. And you know what? Did I not say it? I'm praying for the week on next week. I felt like I needed to reciprocate that Georgia would be Florida. Did I say Well, that's not what I want. That gaudy orange and blue. Now listen, football, he and I stood right here last week. He said, you know, since both our teams Thinking it up. It sure does make worship a lot more fun on Sunday when we ain't worried about what Paul is on Saturday. I mean, really. Because really, look, I enjoy all that stuff. Ryan takes me, my phone blew up. Ben was texting me, and Ryan was texting When chance, when we're Georgia Tech fans, it's not very often that we get it. So you have to capitalize on it. I even dug out my Georgia Tech company. I put it all away. No, I'm going to get them out for this. You know, Ryan said, Please tell me you watched that. Actually, I'd just taken a shower. I'd skipped the whole first half because I knew they were going to just get slaughtered. My buddy Matt Tyler is a big Florida State fan, so he had already started earlier in the week. And I learned if I don't talk smack up front, I usually don't get as much talk back at me because I usually end up on the receiving end. If I just don't get involved with it, I said, oh, y'all going to kill us. You're going to kill us. So... When we won, I just simply put four question marks. He texted them to him. I didn't say a word. I just put question marks. You've got to learn to be thankful for little things. You're going to be thankful for big things. Right? I'm glad I got shoes. Now, some of y'all are not crazy about shoes. Some of you should have lived in Alabama. I like shoes. Sometimes I like them too much. I don't know as much as a couple of guys in here, but I like cheese. See, I didn't call his name. His wife is something apples. I like socks too. They don't like socks, but I'm not a music guy, so I have to wear socks to make up for it. I'm thankful for my wife. Sometimes she doesn't thank me. Sometimes she don't. I don't show it. But I somebody noticed a ring last night. She said, 25 years, that's what you get for 25 years. <laughs> she said, 26 now. We started dating 33 years ago. Married 26 years. We've known each other and spent more time together. We have a parent. Than anyone else. And I'm thankful. That in the ugly times and the hard times, yeah. Look, we don't go home, have a word of prayer, you know, and 
read scripture, even though we probably ought to. We ought to do it more. But that's not everything. We watch ball games. I jumped up and yelled and screamed like a Banshee Indian last night. She's in there, slams the doors. Why can't you turn that TV out? She hates ball. She don't want to hear no rage. She's like Miss Judy. All it is is rah, 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 rah. <laughs> But you know, in the hard times, nobody I need more than her. There's nobody that's been there anymore. Y'all know I love my mom. She comes from my mom. She has September 23rd, 1989. The Bible says to leave and flee. I love my children. I love them for who they are in Christ, for their faithfulness and serving God. They mess up like everybody else. I hate the title of PK. That, I mean, do we, do we say LK for the lawyer's kids? I mean, do we say the, the FK for the farmer's kids? No, we don't do all that. Well, well, why? Attach it to preacher's kids. But let me say something. Let me just go and say something like that. I have never once, I have never once at Eastside ever had anybody do that to my kids. For that, I am eternally grateful. You've treated my kids just like everybody else. And I'm going to treat them like anybody else. They get out of line. They play the but I thank God that for the most part, they walk away. They do what Christ honors. And I'm thankful for my church. I come to that in September. And it's not just that I designated September. But I'm going to tell you, every day I'm thankful for each side. I told the church Wednesday night, prayer meeting, they gossip out. You know how small town is. Y'all know how small town is. Gossip. Well, somebody heard twice this week that I was leaving. That's dumb and unlisted. Unless y'all have formed a committee to fire me, y'all record this, right? I want this, I want this down. Unless you have formed a committee to fire me, I ain't going anywhere. I mean, I'm like an old cur dog. You might have run me off a stick. Man. I'm going to tell you, I love you. I do. Your friendship, your faithful, I am thankful to you. I got to move. We're going to eat man, Pray constantly. That's the how to pray. Well, what do we pray for? He said in verse 3, pray always or also for us. Pray for others. How do you pray for others? What are things that we can pray for others? Go. What? Help. All right. Finish. What else? Salvation. Spiritual. All right. We got physical. We got spiritual. What else? Yeah. Emotional. Some people have hard names. Peace. Mental. Those are the things we can pray for. Mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually. But we, we focus on the real easy to see the physical part. We'll pray for their lungs and their livers and their pancreases and their face. And that's all good. That's fine. But what about praying for someone's salvation? What about praying for their mental well-being? What about praying for their emotional stability? We need to pray for others. We need to pray for open doors. He said, walk in with or pray also for us that God would open to us a door for the Word. 
We need to pray for open doors. Open doors. I'm going to tell something really embarrassing. One morning, pretty early, I went to pick up my brother. We were going to the Bell South Classic. The golf tournament. We had tickets to go to the Bell South Classic. And so I got out at his house. No, we were actually going to the Jacksonville Pastors Conference. We had to catch a fly. It was early. So I had not written, the, the coffee was in me, but it had not really permeated my brain yet. So I get out of the vehicle, because my brother's always later than me. And I get out, and I'm still, you know. And I walk up to the front porch, and the door's open. But his wife's one of clean friends. And I look like the bird on the window commercial. The storm door was closed. Bam! Second degree concussion. I was concussed. I almost did the other too. And I was engaged and confused. I mean, I thought I'd my nose. I had run I was starting to worry I was going to breathe internally. My brain was too. I was going to die of brain swelling or something. Open doors are a lot better than closed doors. You ever tried to get a job and everywhere you went, it just seemed like slam, slam, slam? I love this saying. It's only been around a couple of years. It says, instead of trying to open the doors that you're praying for, just pray in the hallway. Sometimes we're trying to keep the door open. Stop being spiritual SWAT member. Just stand in the hallway until God opens the doors. But we need to pray for open doors. What kind? We need to pray for open doors of evangelism. That God would use us to tell somebody about Jesus. It's one thing to live like Jesus in our character, but it's another thing to live like Jesus faithfully in telling others He saves. God's called us. I don't care what you think. God's Word said you are to be a witness unto the world. Starting at home, we are to tell people Jesus saved. We need to pray for open doors of evangelism. We need to pray for open doors of discipleship. He said that God would open to us a door for the Word. We ought to be able to share the Word in encouraging people to grow in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That's why He's here. To teach our students. To teach others about Jesus Christ. He's here to grow your student in the Lord. Send them to the youth group. Send them there. And trust God's going to use him in a great and mighty way. Come, you. You don't have anything better to do on Wednesday night than to be in that room with him and your small group leaders growing in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Because one day you know it's going to be gone. There'll be no more youth group. Enjoy what God is doing. Pray for open doors. And pray for oughtness. He said, to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in chains, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. It means to act right. Do right. The things will be right. That's oughtness. Do what you ought to do. You know, that's the thing that my daddy get mad at me most about. It was not 
the things that I was just really dumb and made the big mistakes, it was the little things that he said, son, you ought to know better. You know? And now that I'm 51 years old and I mess up, I, that's what I beat myself up most about. When I doubt God, when I come and I say, oh, I can't, oh, it's not going to work. And God has done so much for me for so long, and I ought to know better. God can deliver me from this. If He can deliver me from everything else, why do I doubt Him now? It's the oughtness of our lives. Are we believing like we ought to? Are we living like we ought to? Are we praying like we ought to? Walk wisely. He said, walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. Last night, my children, when they get the teens, they take off. And the first load, they're up, they're gone. So I, looked, I went in, and I said, Big, I said, we still got that gift card there? Yep. I said, let's go. So we went to Harry's, and we ate crab on the gifts. That's one. And number one is awesome. But then on a gift certificate, you know what we did? We took what someone had gifted us, loved us and gave us. We took that, walked up to the counter, and handed it to them. <laughs> and they took it. We redeemed that gift. <coughs> I got news for you. Today's a gift. That's a gift God has given you. That music was a gift. Amen. Did you use it and redeem it to worship God? This message I pray is a gift. Will you use it? Your health is a gift. Use it for the Lord. Listen, walk wisely. That means wise with our talent. Walk wise with our talent. Wise with our talents. Redeem. Make, make full use of rescue from loss to buy up. We need to be wise with our talents. God has talented you with an ability, a spiritual gift in this. Are you using it? Are you redeeming it? Because I'm going to tell you something. If you don't, God made you stay the way. <coughs> Redeem. Time. Redeem the talents. Walk wisely with that time. Are you tipping or are you tithing? There's a difference. We get all freaked out about what we ought to give service. And I think we ought to do right. But I don't see all the stuff on Facebook about how we ought to treat God. <coughs> Church, I'm telling you, now I don't mean to be ugly, but we can pay off $55,000 worth of debt we've got left. We can go way over five feet. We can do all that before the end of the year. All of us would just, that ain't even sacrificially. We'd just tie. If we would just give 10% of our gross income, because God should give His first. Now, by the way, this is not tithing. When the offering plate comes around, most dreaded moment of the service, 
It's not opening up your wallet and seeing what belongs to God. It's knowing that everything in that wallet, the wallet, the cow that it's made with is God's. And say, God, what part of what all belongs to you do you want me to get back? Because look, you say, well, that 10% Old Testament. You're exactly right. That's a good theologian. See, the New Testament side says give out the abundance God's blessed you with. Well, I got news for you. Some 10% won't even begin to cut the abundance God's blessed you with. Maybe some of yours needs about 50 60%. Whoa! Woo! Got tight then, didn't it? But I'm going to tell you something. There is absolutely, unequivocally, nothing greater in this world than to be found obedient. And when you turn loose of them purse strings, God will set you free. Some of you are bound up in debt. You're bound up in all kinds of financial mess. And I'm going to tell you, the only way you're going to get free is to tie. You don't believe me? Try Not try me. Try him. He said, try me. Test me. See, see one I open the storehouse of heaven before you got a blessing that you cannot contain. Turn it loose. Come on. How what? You're stealing from yourself. Give it to God. Give it to God. Teach your kids. First time you give them $10, clean up their room, which you ought to do anyway. Or cut grass or clean gutters, whatever. But if you give them $10, sit down and show them how they ought to take a dollar and put it in the offering plate. Teach them to tithe now, and you won't have to bail them out when they're 28. Wise with our time. Why? Why should we do this? Why should we walk wisely? Because the lost way. Redeeming the time. Walking wisdom toward those who are what? Outside. This is for us in here, but there's a lot of them out there, aren't there? You ever been sick or had some kind of providential hindrance where you wanted to be at church, but you had to be somewhere else, you're riding through town here at church time. Don't it just blow your mind how many people are just going to and fro have no concern about church on Sunday? They have no concern about God. Then we ought to talk gracefully. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. How do we do this? Simply as the song says, Word of God, Spirit. Poised for the Christ life. Only one time did we really ever see Jesus raise his voice in anger, and it was because they had stopped treating his father's house like they should. God doesn't like it when we mistreat his house. When we make it everything but what it's supposed to be, and that's a house of prayer. And the other time we hear him raise his voice is when he cries out to his father from the cross. I don't believe he spoke much louder than a whisper when he called Lazarus his name. It wasn't in the loud screaming. It was just Lazarus. Come forward. Even the dead know the voice and the power of his name. Amen. And at the name of Jesus, the demons around your life will even have to flee. What do you find? That if you just stand up in the power of the Lord and say to Jesus Christ, poised with Christ's likeness, we don't have to get mad at people 
that don't think like us. We just have to display Christ's life. Look, I don't like liberalism. I hate abortion. But I don't hate people who are fighting for it. Because they're the ones who need Jesus. And if, if we speak with nothing but hate-filled speech, how are we going to tell them that that's the love of God? And the only way we're going to see abortion in, and we're going to see homosexuality in, and we're going to see the other sins of this world in, is by introducing to them to the one who loves them in spite of their sin. And can do something about it. Because you can't make them straight. You can't make them or convince them that it's right. We've got to give them Jesus. Poised with Christ's likeness. It's the word logos, this word. It's the divine expression. That is, which is Christ. We ought to be prepared to prove this. We ought to be studied to show ourselves approved unto God. We need to be apologetically ready. That means have a defense to be able to give an answer to every man that asketh the hope that is within us. Why do we believe God created the heavens and the earth? Why do we believe Jesus is the only way? You ought to be able to give an answer. We ought to be pleased to present it. We ought to be thankful when it's an opportunity to share the love of God. Listen, church, time is running out. The day is quickly passing. And I want you to hear this from an old, old man called a beautiful life. He's speaking of believers now, not work salvation. But hear me, Christian. Each day I'll do golden deeds by helping those who are in need. My life on earth is but a span. So I'll do the best I can. While going down life's weary road, I'll try to live some traveler's load. I'll try to turn the night to day, make flowers bloom long ago. Life's evening sun is sinking low. A few more days, and I must go to meet the deeds that I've done. There will be under 77. 24-7. What is it you need to redeem? You need to purchase today. You need to cash in. The Bible says that the wages of sin is but the there's a gift waiting on us. Just like a gift card. I got I got a uh, Cracker barrel burning a hole in my pocket. There's some pancakes, there's some eggs over the medium, and some, hey, this one. I mean, I'm good. I got a fast protocol. Ready? The greatest gift of them all is Jesus Christ and His life and the freedom of worship and the freedom to walk and live like Paul did, knowing that if today it all then we're with Him. But while we're here, 
Let's make them full use of them. They come to the instruments today without hesitation. Let's give it to Jesus. Let's give it all to Jesus. You need to trust Him as your Lord and Savior. Redeem the gift that He's offered. It's standing there. Waiting for you to come and repent of your sins. If you need to come and say, God, I am not walking in the giftedness that is Christ, the life that you gave me. I'm not making full use of your spirit and the abilities and the blessings of my life. Lord, may I come surrendering. Lord, I pray for the mental and the emotional and the physical and the spiritual well-being of my brothers and sisters, but also for myself. God, may I walk wisely. May I talk gracefully. May I give fruitfully. God, move in my life today while there's still time. Stand and come. Just a moment. It'll be gone. This is your opportunity. Why wait? Stop making excuses.
He got on Facebook, met, sent private messages because he had never made a public profession of faith. Sat in that Sunday school room, Sunday after Sunday. I want you to pray with me for any singles. Pray that he had, if he has not, that he will before it's everlastingly too late. We must be about the Father's business. May we be found faithful. Brother Steve. No, uh, have a seat for a second. I, I've got some, uh, kind of bad moments here right quick. As you know, we've been celebrating the past appreciation this whole month, but today we're kind of coordinating. We're going to have lunch in honor of uh, Brother Matthew Craig and the family. Uh, and we have been, uh, we've been collecting money throughout the church uh, for the whole month of October. We're going to, this week is the last week to be able to contribute to that. If you want to, uh, see Mr. Ellen, and we'll get that money to them at the end. Um, now, as some of you may know, our pastor, um, they, they have a, a close-knit family, if you want to call it. Well, uh, in just a few minutes, we're going to see a little bit of organized chaos. Well, let me explain this to you. The first three sections right here, we're going to dismantle and throw our uh, tables out here in just a few minutes. So if you've never been here before, just stand back. Uh, we're going to get you uh, We don't want anybody to get run over, but it's, it's actually organized chaos. Back to the family part. Uh, our pastor and his family lost uh, a family friend. Uh, this year, and we wanted to, the deacons, we wanted to make sure that we kind of let him know how much we appreciate him, um, and, and just a little bit of uh, an appreciation that we have for him, uh, because if you know anybody that does not go to this church, that is in this community, that's where he's well known also. He's a tremendous influence in this, in this building right here. But guess what? His influence don't stop right here. It continues right out that front door. And uh, that's not just him, that's also his family. And we appreciate it. We want to show them that we do appreciate him. And it's, it's because of everybody in here that we are able to do that. Um, but he is a tremendous influence on not just not just us, not just the community, but if you're in law enforcement or if you're a fireman, uh, you already know the things that he does. You already know the uh, tremendous amount of stress and aggravation, if you want to call it, that he has to go through. Um, but man, we appreciate you. We, we appreciate what you do. We uh, we wanted to uh, give you a little bit of a, a, a gift, and hopefully that he'll enjoy this. But uh, brother Ray. Oh, 